Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. good to be with you this morning. I am super excited about what God has for us. Um, I was laughing because during that video, Deb, our media director, she told me that Mel had to record that video twice because he cried so much about four services in the first one. But I love his heart and his passion um, for our church, but for our community and our world to reach people in. And we're honored to be a part of this team. Our, our team is so excited about having to move to three or four services and the opportunities that we have to reach people. So like Mel said, thank you for the ways that you're getting involved and praying for that. Um, These last four weeks we had a series called Man Cave, and this was all about how God has transformed certain people um, when they were in a cave in, in the season in their life. And so if you haven't been here or you've missed those weekends, I would certainly encourage you to go back and watch that. And next weekend, as you know, is at the movies. So this weekend, it's just basically a a one-weekend series. So Todd decided for me that we're going to call it Woman Cave. All right? (laughs) But I'm not talking about a cave at all, so... We can still call it that. But today, um, I actually want to talk to you about uh, one of Jesus' disciples, and his name was Peter. And whether you've heard about Peter before, whether you've read about Peter before, my hope and my prayer is that you see yourself in the story, that you would see your life in the text that we have, no matter if you've heard of him before or not. um, I pray that God would do that. And so I just want to ask God to meet us here. So let's pray. God, we thank you that you are with us, that your Holy Spirit goes with us. We thank you for your word that is living and active, that can transform hearts, that can speak directly to us, God. So whatever words that I have today, I pray that they would be yours. God, if I don't say something, I pray that you would speak it. If I say something wrong, God, I pray that you would fix it. And Lord, you know exactly what we need. You know exactly what we need to hear today to do all that you're calling us to do. And so we just ask you to meet us here in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the first interactions that that Jesus had with Peter was actually found in Matthew 4, and we're going to take a look of that, but Peter and his brother Andrew, they had met Jesus before Matthew chapter 4. They met him in John chapter 1, and it was during a time where Jesus was preaching in the area. They knew a little bit about Jesus. They knew about his ministry, but the call to follow him came in Matthew chapter 4. And so in verse 18, we see, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. See, Jesus calls these men away from their productive trade as fishermen and into a life of becoming productive spiritually. See, this was not just a momentary decision, but this was a lifelong pursuit of following and going after Jesus. And in in, um, the Passion Translation, I want to read that similar verse in verse 19, just in a different way. He said, come and follow me, and I will transform you into men who catch people for God. And immediately they dropped their nets, and they left everything behind 
to follow Jesus. See, I think sometimes we think that Peter and the other disciples, they were these incredible men of faith from the very moment they met Jesus. But they had to grow in their faith just like all believers do. They had to learn, just like you and I, how to walk, how to follow Jesus. Jesus didn't tell them where they'd be going. He didn't give them a manual or a step-by-step process. This is how you catch people for God. He didn't say, you don't know enough scripture yet. You don't have, it. You don't have memorized what you need to have memorized. So what, once you get there, then you can follow me. No, all he said was, follow me. All you need is me. Follow me and I will transform you into men who catch people for God. See, June 1st marked four years that, that I've been in ministry and been on staff here at Summit, and it's been incredible, but to be honest, I never, never picture myself in ministry. And I often remember the moment that, that I knew God was making it clear, follow me, this is the next step. Um, and it reminds me of the moment that he invited Peter and Andrew to follow him, honestly. And I didn't know where it would take me. I didn't even know that by, by committing to this, going into ministry, that he would call me here. And I didn't know how to do this job, and I still don't, if that makes you feel good. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but I didn't know where he would call me or what, what that would look like. But I knew that he said, follow me. And that was my um, call to obedience. I didn't realize by following him that I would have to lay things down, that I would have to drop my net, that I would have to leave things behind, such as my pride, my plans, people's expectations of me, time with my family, and so much more. But the more that I follow him, the more that I realize he is all that I need. And he has given me a place to serve where he's moving here in incredible ways, right? And together we get to see every life made different. Together we get to catch people for God with him. And he continues to prove time and time again that he's faithful. And he continues to prove he's worth following no matter what the cost, no matter what we have to lay down. And all that he continues to ask of you and all that he continues to ask of me is that we would just keep following, that we would just keep being faithful and follow him wherever he asks us to go. So we see in scripture that this moment in Matthew 4 was the beginning of Peter's walk with Jesus. It was the beginning of three adventurous, crazy years of following Jesus. And the more that I learn about Peter, the more that I realize I can relate to him in, in many ways. See, Peter had some really great moments with Jesus, and then he had some moments where he really stumbled. Peter had moments where he recognized the holiness and the beauty of God, and then he had moments where he was just an idiot. And I can relate to that. And I want to share some of, mo- some of the moments that Peter had during those three years with Jesus, and I hope that you can see maybe you can relate to this guy as well. See, Peter took big leaps of faith. In Matthew 14, he literally got out of a boat and walked on water toward Jesus. Um, he said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And he walked on water. He took big leaps of faith when he didn't know what was next, when he didn't know what was going to happen. He took big leaps of faith and trusted Jesus. See, Peter was afraid while walking on water. In that same story, he was afraid while taking big leaps of faith. And scripture says that he was afraid and he began to sink, but Jesus reached out his hand and he pulled him back and they climbed into the boat. Peter was afraid while taking these big leaps of faith. Peter was strongly corrected by the words of Jesus. In Matthew 16, Jesus was telling his disciples, this is how I'm going to suffer. 
But Peter didn't like it, and he said, no, Lord, this should never happen to you. And the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. That is a strong correction. Peter got to see so many people saved and healed. He saw the dead raised to life, the the blind receive sight, the lame walk. He witnessed all of these things with Jesus. And in Mark chapter 5, there was a specific time where he was, uh, he was invited, just one of three disciples who were invited into the home of a 12-year-old girl who would be raised from the dead. He got to witness that. He got to see miracles. And I'm telling you today that every time someone responds to accept Christ, we are seeing miracles here too. Peter asked questions when he probably should have known the answer. I can definitely relate to this one. In Matthew 15, Peter had just got, I mean, Jesus had just gotten done sharing a parable with his disciples. And Peter's like, Lord, can you tell me what this means? And Jesus is like, it literally says this in scripture, word for word. Even after all I've taught you, you still remain clueless. (laughs) See, Peter didn't always understand what God was doing. Peter heard from God. In Matthew 16, Jesus, he asked the disciples, some people say I'm this, some people say I'm that. Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus essentially says, yeah, that's right. And that truth didn't come from you, but it was revealed to you by my father. Peter could hear from God. Peter often spoke without thinking. In John chapter 13, Jesus is wanting to serve his disciples in a beautiful and a profound way by washing their feet. The ultimate servant washes their feet, their dirty feet, before going to the cross. And and Peter, I believe his heart was right, but he said, Lord, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, I have to, or you will have no part with me. And he was like, well, geez, wash my head, wash my, wash my hands, wash my whole body. See, Peter often spoke without thinking. Peter was impulsive, and he responded out of his emotions sometime. I know that's not you. It's just me and Peter. Um, in Luke 22, as Jesus is being betrayed, Jesus pulls, I mean, Peter pulls out his sword. Definitely wasn't Jesus. Peter pulls out his sword. And he cuts off the ear of the high priest's slave because he's so upset and emotional about what's happening to Jesus. And Jesus is like, seriously? And he touches the man's ear and he heals it. Peter also had sacred moments with Jesus. In Matthew 17, Peter was invited to go up on a mountain to pray with two of the other disciples. And on this mountain, Jesus is with them, and his, he literally becomes transfigured. He's, his face begins to shine like the sun. It becomes radiant, and it's a beautiful moment where Peter sees just a small glimpse of the glory that Jesus had before he humbled himself to become a man, and the glory that he would have when he ascends again. Peter was also selfish. Again in Luke 22, Right after Jesus says, they have the Last Supper, Jesus says, I, I'm going to lay down my life. This is my body broken for you. This is the new covenant. Right after that, Peter and the disciples argue over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. See, sometimes Peter, like me, was more concerned with his own glory than the Lord's. But through all of these moments, through all of these instances with Peter and Jesus. Some of the most important things that Jesus spoke to him and his disciples is found in Matthew 16, 24, when he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it. 
but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In, these, in, in final moments before Jesus is about to go to the cross, he stops and he turns to Peter. And he says, Peter, in Luke 22, verse 31, Simon, Simon, or Peter, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus basically says to Peter, Peter, listen, there's a spiritual battle coming, and I see it, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed that your faith won't fail. I've prayed that you'll remain faithful to me no matter what comes, no matter what happens next. And Peter, you're going to turn back to me. You're going to be restored. And when you do that, you make it your life mission to strengthen your brothers. This is what I've called you to do. And Peter responds to that in this way in verse 33. Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, Peter, I tell you the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. And I'm sure that after all they had been through together, Peter was like, wait, I'm in your top three. Like, I'm, some, I'm your closest friend, one of your closest friends. I'm not going to deny you. Do you remember all that we've been through together, Jesus? Do you remember how I've been faithful to you? Surely I will not deny you. I will die with you. I will go to prison for you, with you, but I will not deny you. But verses 54 to 60 go on to explain that, in fact, he did deny him three times. In verse 54 of Luke 22, it says, Then they seized him, talking about Jesus, and they led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl, seeing him in the light, looking closely at him, said, This man was also with him. But he denied it and said, woman, I do not know him. So in this moment, he denies even knowing Jesus. A little later, in verse 58, a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. You are one of his followers. But Peter said, man, I am not. Peter denies following, ever following Jesus. In verse 59, after an interval of about an hour, Still another insisted, certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. The words hadn't even finished coming out of Peter's mouth when that, that reminder of what Jesus spoke over him happened. That reminder came to him. And I'm going to read this next verse, verse 61 in the Passion Translation. This is what happened next. It says, At that moment, the Lord who was being led through the courtyard by his captors turned around and gazed at Peter. And all at once, Peter remembered the words Jesus had prophesied over him. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny me three times that you know me. And Peter burst into tears, ran off from the crowd, and he wept bitterly. Can you imagine this moment? After their close connection, their, their sweet friendship that they had, can you imagine how awful he felt? How his heart sank when he heard the rooster crow. And I don't believe that Peter was lying when he said, I'll go with you to death, I'll go to prison with you. I don't believe he was lying. But I do believe that pride led him to think that he would never deny him. Peter was relying on how brave he felt in the moment, but how you feel in the moment is certainly not a stable foundation. 
And he not only chose to deny him, but he chose not to take up his cross, not to deny himself, and in turn he denied the most faithful friend that he had. And when I stop and think about this, when I really examine my heart, I can see that I have uh, tended to believe the same at times, that my pride has led me to believe the same at times, that I will never deny him. See, even on my best day, I could fall. We can all fall. It doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for five minutes or 50 years. We can all fall. Maybe you're like, Steph, I've been following Jesus for more than three years. It's been like 30. And also, I've gone through growth track. I've been in a small group. I give, and I went on a mission ship because I'm hardcore. I don't care how much you've done for Jesus. We can all fall, even on our best day. And so I plead with you today, just like God's been teaching me, to remember your human nature. To remember that you can fall. Because Peter, I'm sure that if we brought him here and we asked him, did you ever think you would deny Jesus? He would say, never. I never imagined that I would deny him. After all we had been through, I never imagined. See, the only way to combat this pride and to, is to deny yourself and to stay incredibly desperate for Jesus. That's the only way that we can combat the pride that we don't even know may be in our hearts. To stay desperate for him to be everything that you need. See, as the words were still in Peter's mouth, the rooster crowed and Jesus looked at Peter. Now, this might not be the type of look that you think it is. We've all probably had moments where maybe when you were younger, you were doing something that you definitely knew was not appropriate or right, and your mom or dad gives you the look, and you know you are dead. I've only gotten that 50 times now. Uh, but I'm sure that you've experienced that, or maybe now you're the mom and dad that gives the look. Your children are terrified of you. Um, but that was not the look that Peter received. See, some people think God is waiting to give us that look. But that is not the case. We just sang, um, as we were singing, I thought we just sang lyrics, I can see you now. I can see the love in your eyes. Or the redemption, I don't, now I'm going to forget the words. Something about grace in his eyes <laughs> with the last song. But, yeah, thank you. Um, but, scripture says that the Lord, as he's looking at Peter, I mean, as he's being led to the cross, he takes the time to turn and to gaze at Peter. And this word for look, it signifies one of love and concern. This was not a condemning look. This was not a subtle glare that you may receive from people. This was the opposite. His gaze brought loving conviction. His gaze brought repentance. You see, he was convicted not only of the denial, not only of his actions, but the pride that was in his heart that made him think, I'll never deny him. He was convicted of all of that. The pride that he didn't know was there. And so today, my prayer is that we can ask God to remove the pride that we may not know is there. The pride that makes us believe we don't really need you, God. We, we're not that desperate for you. See, when we are soft towards Jesus, all he has to do is look at us to get our attention. That's all that it takes. But we have to stay soft and desperate towards him. And just like Peter, the enemy of our soul wants to sift us like wheat. Just like Peter, he wants to crush us and destroy us 
so that when we do fall, we're done. Or he wants us to think that we're invincible so that we won't fall, or to think that we won't fall. And then if or when we do, we're done. But we have to stay desperate for Jesus. And I believe that when Peter saw the loving gaze of Jesus, that he remembered the promise of Jesus. See, we read, we read this already, but I want to come back to it. In verse 31, it said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter's life won't end in him giving in to denial only because Jesus prayed for him. Jesus prayed in the sifting that takes place in Peter's life. Don't let his faith fail, God. So maybe you're here and you're thinking, um, Steph, he denied Jesus three times. He did fail. Well, then I want to ask, do you suppose that Jesus does not get his prayers answered? Do you suppose that the Son of God, what he asked, will not be done? See, if Jesus prayed that his faith will not fail, then his faith will not fail. And maybe it failed momentarily, but it did not fail forever. Because Jesus prayed for Peter. He prayed that he would stay strong when he was weak. He prayed that he would turn back and strengthen his brothers. How much does it mean to you when someone is sincerely and diligently praying for you? It means a bunch. I texted somebody that I love and, and deeply respect in our church and just asked them to pray for me this weekend. And she said, oh, her response was, that's why, that's why you've been on my heart so much. I thought it was just because you got back from El Salvador, but it's because you're preaching this weekend. That's why I've been praying for you. And I thought, like, how amazing. And, and how much does that mean to me that someone would be praying for me? Like, and she really meant it, but also that the Holy Spirit would be kind enough to put me on her heart for this weekend. See, Jesus, he doesn't just pray for Peter, but he prays for you too. We have the Spirit of God and the Son of God interceding for us, praying for us, intervening for us on our behalf, and I'll show you in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Romans 8, 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And if you still don't believe me, Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. See, Jesus not only died the death, lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I, could, I should have died, was resurrected so that I and you could have life, but he's praying for us to get there, to keep going, to keep fighting, to make it. He's, he's praying for us to keep reading when we don't want to read his word anymore. He's praying for us to keep praying when we don't feel heard. He's praying for us to turn to him when we're hurt instead of turning to other things that will never fulfill. He's praying for us to stay in community when we want to isolate, and he's praying for us to stay desperate for him. Is a good and certainly a patient friend. And Jesus' prayer was heard and answered by God for Peter. And he prays for you today, right now. How many times have we been rescued or saved or protected or whatever, provided for, simply because Jesus prayed for us and we had no clue? 
We'll never know the answer of the impact of the prayers that Jesus has for us, or the Spirit of God has for us. And so I ask you to today let him see, see that you would see him gaze into your eyes, that you would see him look at you, would take the time to look at you, and hear him call out your name and say, Steph, Satan wants to take you out, but I've prayed for you that your faith won't fail. Steph, Satan tried to take you out, but I prayed for you so that your faith wouldn't fail. See, Peter didn't know it yet, but he was about to be recommissioned. And again, I can't fully fathom the guilt, the remorse, and the pain in his heart from betraying such a close friend, even more the savior of the world. I can't imagine how he felt. In some ways, I can, but not fully in that moment. I can't imagine the deep depression that was on him or his thoughts like, how did I get here? How did I get to a point in my life where I deny him, that I denied the Savior of the world? And if you've heard this before, we know, or you might know, that Jesus is alive, that that he is alive and well, but Peter did not know this yet. Peter thought, how am I going to live with myself? I just denied, I promised him I wouldn't deny him, and I just denied the Savior of the world, and now I'm never going to see him again. And for three days he lived with remorse and guilt and regret. He had sinned against God, and he had sinned against man. But after Jesus had died, he was buried in a tomb, right? We know that he was buried in a tomb and that there were women who went to check on his body, to anoint his body. And when they got to the tomb, they saw that there was no stone and there was no body in the grave. That Jesus was not bound to death. And the word says that an angel was there and they spoke to these ladies who came to anoint Jesus and he spoke to the ladies and they said, he said, this is what the angel said to them in Mark 16, 7. Run and tell the disciples, even Peter, that he is risen. He has gone ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see him there just like he told you. The kindness of God. Even Peter, make sure that Peter knows. Even Peter, even you, even me, remind Peter that I see him. Remind Peter that I've prayed for him and that his faith won't fail. Remind Peter of what I've called him to do after he's turned back to me. After Jesus had been resurrected, um, he was with some of his disciples having breakfast on the shore with them. And with all of the other disciples around, Jesus stops and he restores Peter in the presence of everybody else. And we'll go to that conversation, but I want to remind you, if you remember, when, when Peter denied Jesus, everybody else was around. Peter said, Lord, I'll die with you. I'll go to prison with you in front of all of the other disciples. And so what were they probably thinking in this moment? But we see what Jesus does in verse 15 of John 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these people. He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend to my sheep. 
And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? At this point, Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So as you may assume, this threefold question reminded Peter of the three times that he chose to deny Christ. But this threefold question also reminded him of a sorrow of his true repentance, and it reminded him that he desperately needs Jesus, that even on his best day, he can fall. And it was for Peter's self-examination that Jesus even asked him these questions. See, G- Peter realized, Jesus knows me better than I even know myself, particularly my heart. He knows me better. <clears throat> and three times, we see that Christ committed the care of his flock, of his people, into the hands of Peter. Feed my sheep, Peter. Tend my sheep. Take care of my people. And in this moment, Christ graciously redeemed him. Christ graciously recommissioned him and gave him purpose again. Not just for his own sake, not just for his own story, but because there were people that Peter was responsible for, that, Peter, that God had trusted Peter with, that God had trusted him to take care of, and that's why he told him, when you have turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Their conversation continues, and Jesus says to Peter in verse 18, Truly, truly, I say to you, Peter, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to him to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. See, just like you and I, Peter, we're not going to live forever. One day we will pass, but Peter's going to die one day and his death will give God glory. The Peter that denied Jesus at one point will not be the same Peter that dies for Jesus. The character trait that caused him to fall will not have the final say. And for us, the sin that we have found ourselves in or have found ourselves mastered by or will find ourselves mastered by, it does not have to determine the rest of our days. The pride in our hearts that we think we would never deny him, it can be removed today. See, Peter will die giving God glory, and you can too, because how we are now doesn't have to determine how we finish. In Philippians 1.6, it says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jude 1.24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time, now and forever. See, today, Jesus asks us to examine our hearts as well. And I, I hear him ask us the same question. Do you love me? Do you really love me? And like Peter, surrounded by all the other disciples, we are surrounded by each other today. We're just doing our best to follow him, right? To be disciples of him. And we remember that we are not the first to fail. We are not the first to fall. And Jesus is so kind that he would take this moment 
to stop, to gaze at you, to recommission you today, to remind you of your calling, to remind you of the promise. And he's just asking you, do you love me? Well, then follow me. Deny yourself and just follow me. All you need is me. You see, when Jesus and when Jesus called Peter and the disciples to follow him, he knew who these guys were. These guys were once young Jewish men who aspired to be disciples of a rabbi, who aspired to follow a rabbi, but they all failed for some reason. They were all not good enough for some reason. Rabbi after rabbi, they're rejected, and I can imagine that they were told things like, you're just not good enough. You just don't know enough. You're not intelligent enough. You failed already too much. You're just not going to make it. But Jesus was the only rabbi who said, I see you, and nobody else has picked you, but I'm choosing you. Nobody else wants you, but I want you. And I want you to follow me, and I want you to learn from me, and together we will catch people for God. See, Peter went on to do incredible things for the kingdom, far too much to explain right now. He glorified God in how he lived and how he died. Both. And, and Jesus told his disciples in John 14 that whoever believes in him will do similar works, but can also do greater things in his name. The promise that Jesus gave to Peter is yours today. He has prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And he prays for you now that you would do greater things for his glory, for his name. And like Peter, like our friend, Jesus recommissions you today. And again, he turns to you just like he did from the very beginning. And he says, follow me. All that you need is me. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We're so thankful and amazed by the way that you love us, by the way that you care for us, by the way that you protect us. God, we recognize today that we are desperate for you. That is the common ground among us all, Lord, that we desperately need you, no matter what we think we know. All we need is you. And God, in your grace, you chose us. In your compassion and protection, you pray for us. And in your love, you want us. And though we failed you, though we've denied you in ways, whether, whether they've seemed like big ways or small ways, Lord, we recognize our human nature that we need you. And it is only because of you that our faith won't fail. It is only because of you that we can follow you so God, help us to stay desperate for you because we don't want to make empty promises. We don't want to think that we know our hearts when you know it better. God, in these moments right now, I pray for those who have never followed you, that they've thought, I'm just not good enough. I've failed too much. I can't make it. They've never decided, Lord, you are all that I need. God, I pray for them in this moment that they would see your heart. For those who have denied you or messed up in huge ways like Peter have, we've all done it. 
God, let us see that you are recommissioning us, that you are restoring us and redeeming us. And it's only because you are faithful and kind that you have prayed for us. God, we also ask that you would remove the pride in us. God, maybe we see it a little bit, but ultimately we probably don't even know it's there because our hearts can be wicked. So God, remove the pride that would make us think that we are too good or above everybody else to deny you. That we are better, that we don't need you, but God, we confess today that we desperately do. So Holy Spirit, these next moments are yours. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, with no one looking around, I want to ask you, if you're here today, maybe you say, I'm not following Jesus, but I want to. I haven't committed my life to him, but I really want to surrender today because I've seen how Peter how Jesus has responded to Peter, and I can see his heart for me now. I can see the way he cares for me and the way he loves me and what he's done for me. You see, Jesus laid down his life so that you could have life. He was the most perfect and holy sacrifice so that you didn't have to be that sacrifice so that you could have a relationship with God. And just like Peter chose, just like Jesus chose Peter, he chooses you today and he asks you to follow follow me. All that you need is me. I want to catch people for God with you. I want to give you the opportunity to follow him today if you've never made that decision before. And I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you come forward or embarrass you. I just want to pray with you where you're sitting right now. And so if you say, Steph, that's me. I want to surrender my life because I never have. I've never followed him before. I want to follow him. If that's you, you can go ahead and raise your hand right now just so I can see it, and then you can put it right back down. See one on the right? Yes, I see you. Anybody else say, I need to follow him. I'd like every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not and you made that decision, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sacrificing your life to pay for my sin, to make me right with you. Thank you for choosing me to follow you in this moment and for the rest of my days. I will follow you. I will stay desperate for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank God? <laughs> Scripture says that when one turns and repents, that all of heaven rejoices. And I'm so thankful for the decisions that have been made today. Um, if, that, if that was you, if you raised your hand or not, but you made that decision, we want to walk with you on this journey. We want to help you and resource you and help you grow. So if you, did, if you made that decision today, there's a card in the seat back in front of you that says salvation on one side and need prayer on the other. And if you made that decision, go ahead and fill out the side that says salvation. And you can put that in the offering boxes, which are at every exit as you leave today. If you're watching online and you made that decision, we are so proud of you as well. Um, you can go ahead and text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And we'll be sure to respond back to you, help get you resources, but also make sure that you're at a life-giving church in your area where you live.
So here's what's going to happen next. The prayer team is going to be on either side of the stage, both sides of the stage, as we sing this last song. And I want to encourage you that if you need to pray about anything, anything, make sure you go and you pray with them. And then in just a minute, Pastor Christina will close us out. So you can go ahead and stand to your feet right now. And we're going to get ready to worship one more time. But before I go, I just want to give you the freedom to respond however you need to today. If you need to pray with someone when we start singing, then pray with someone. If you need to sit and pray by yourself, then do that. If you need to get on your knees, then get on your knees. But regardless, it was Peter's repentance that led to his redemption. So I want to ask you to continue to worship him today. Love you guys.